think about an internationally recognized art hub, Wausau isn't necessarily a community that immediately springs to mind. But the Wausau Museum of Contemporary Art has emerged as a hidden gem, drawing significant interest from artists from around the world. And the museum's founder, David Hummer, is also working to inspire a new generation of artists through instruction and masterclasses at his downtown Wausau studio. Welcome to Route 51. I'm Shireen Seward. Our guest, David Anthony Hummer, is a celebrated painter in his own right. His work is in great demand from collectors around the world. Now he's on a mission to share his talent with others while creating a magical space within the arts community. David, welcome back to Route 51. Hi, Shireen. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad you're here. I've been wanting to talk to you about the museum and your gallery for some time now. Before we get into all that, I'm curious about you as an artist, you as a painter. When did you first when did you first have an inkling that you had a, a knack for this kind of thing? Um, like a lot of artists, you, you begin to realize that early on in life. Um, I think that happens more than not. I know a lot of painters out there that are fantastic. They're incredible painters that don't discover that they're a painter until they're in their 20s or 30s or 40s. Um, but, um, yeah, for me it was the typical... I knew I was, uh, I knew I was the square peg trying to fit in a round hole from little on. So when you were a little kid, elementary school. Yeah, I was the artist in the class already. There always is one, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah. you. Yep. And was that something that you, uh, your teachers and your family, kind of recognized about you right away, or is it something yeah. that internally you knew? No, it's it's something that they all recognized right away, and. Uh, Thankfully, uh, I don't know, <laughs> thankfully, I guess, um, my parents uh, didn't try to dissuade me from, you know, keep keeping in that direction. Um, so, you know, and um, yeah, teachers uh, used to talk with my parents about how advanced I was for my age. and um, But, you know, that only gets you so far. Uh, in painting. That's something that I always tell people. It really bothers me when I hear people say, oh, but you're so talented, you know. Um, Talent is something that I think uh, some people have. um, Let me start this over. So the whole idea that people are born talented is a big, big misconception by the general public. Um, I think that there are people out there like myself that develop faster or a learning curve is a little, you know, faster than, than your average bear. But, um, but it really is a lot of work. Um, so when someone says you're so talented, they're actually erasing about 40 years worth of hard work and under- wanting to understand more and more and more. Um, you know, I wasn't born with paints in my hand and a brush in the other. Um, it, it's a lot of work. I'm always curious about that, the uh, the whole nature versus nurture argument, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, are, do we have some kind of predisposition to, to talent? Or, or do you kind of reject that and just think, you know, no, it's just something? Yeah, I... I, I it's don't think hard that's to the know, case. right? It's yeah, hard it's, to know. it's hard to know. But I think uh, really it's... Um, for some people, I think it's just easier to know what you're thing is, you know, mm-hmm. at whatever age. It's, it, I think um, it's, a, it's it, that can be a, a blessing and a curse at the same time, you know, because 
what if you're missing something else? You know, you thought that that's what you're supposed to be doing and you're really missing your true calling. But I, you know, in my teaching, I deal with a lot of people who have never painted before. And they might be in their 30s or 60s or 80s. And they, you know, they'll preface their uh, entrance to the, the class with uh, something like, you know, I've, I can't draw a stick person. Um, <laughs> I've never painted before. And, but I really, I've always wanted to be able to, to do something like that. And, you know, it, it, it takes work. And I can teach people if they're willing to take the time and wa truly want to understand how it works. Um, being talented has very little to do with it. So what brought you to Wausau in the first place? I mean, why Wausau? Um, <laughs> For this international artist, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, I went to high school here. Um, I'm originally from Milwaukee, and uh, back in the 70s when my father died, my mother's relatives are all from the Medford area. And she was familiar with Wausau. Um, and so, you know, I ended up going to high school here at Wausau West, and then I couldn't wait to get out of here. <laughs> you know, as a young person, and, you know, I wanted to, uh, being originally from Milwaukee, I wanted to just get back to Milwaukee. And um, what brought me back, really, um, 30 years later, was meeting my future wife here. So a circumstance. And besides, who in high school doesn't say, I want to get out of here, right? right? exactly. They want to go somewhere yeah. else. They want to go to the big city. Yeah. They want to do the right, you exactly. know, do, do all this stuff. Um, and it's a neat place to come back to. I, you know, uh, I'm 60 now, and I never knew when I was a young punk here how beautiful this city was and how readily available mo even more beautiful things are to you just from – our, our uh, position in the state, you know, so close to the North Woods and, um, you know, and so close to the bigger cities. Um, so you can have it all here. So the, the first time that you and I really had any interaction, you had the Bauhaus, which is in downtown Wausau, yeah. and you were uh, doing some art instruction there. Mm -hmm. How did that start? Um, somebody had asked me if I would ever consider teaching who that person is actually still with me 12 years later. Um, and she actually runs my Friday night open studios now at D'Anthony Gallery. Um, but she had asked me and if I would consider teaching, I said, absolutely not. Um, I really didn't. <laughs> I never thought of That's a hard my, no. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard no. I, I, I never thought of myself as a teacher. Um, for one, I'm not really a patient person. Um, but for some reason, teaching brings out my empathy. And I really love showing people how to do what I do. And if they're passionate about it, I love watching them grow in it. But yeah, I told her no flat out. And then about a year later, I had just returned from painting with a friend of mine in New York, um, who really changed my mindset about what I'm doing in my studio and why. So I ran into that same person again at an, I think it was maybe at the CVA at an art opening and she cornered me and she said, would you ever reconsider? And I said, you know what, come to my studio and we'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, I'm not claiming to be a teacher uh, or that I even can. So we did that. We just took it one day at a time. And before you knew it, um, word got out that I was teaching and I had five students and I had 10 and I had to get a bigger studio. And um, that's when the Bauhaus emerged. When you 
graduated from high school and and you left town. Uh, how did you learn? Who did you learn from? Who? Where was uh, your instruction? You was know, it formal? Well, yeah, I went to UW-Milwaukee for painting and drawing, and I, there was a great faculty there at the time. I'm not certain who's there anymore, but um, one of my professors got in on the tail end of the photorealist movement in the late 60s, early 70s, and he was um, he was a big, big influence for me because not only was he, he a brilliant painter, but he was collected internationally and um, very soft-spoken um, easy to have a conversation with, and he really kind of took me under his wing. Um, and then there were several other professors there at the time where even, you know, in looking back, some of the professors that I didn't even care for, um, I still can hear, could hear their voices, you know, a, a decade later in my head about, you know, things like all that matters is work or, um, you know, you have those aha moments in your studio where, oh, that's what he meant or that's what she meant. And um, so, yeah, I, I had great instruction. And then um, on top of that, you know, I had a collector that was buying everything that I did for probably about seven years in Milwaukee. And that really um, accelerated my learning curve because I painted every day. And, um, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, to not have to work a full-time job to exist and then find time to paint um, is huge. So, How did that work? D did the person find you? Yeah. Just some, um, some, like yeah, something Yeah, because, like you know, knowing that I was majoring in unemployment, I, <laughs> I decided <laughs> to open an art gallery um, in my early 20s and in on the east side of Milwaukee. And... Um, and that's how this collector and I met. So, yeah, and, and he just said, you know, why don't you shut this place down and just paint? And mm -hmm. I said, because you have to make a living, you know. Right. So we, I don't know. Um, I've always had kind of a charmed life that way. Um, <laughs> things just happen for me. I'm in the right place at the right time. So what happened next? What happened next? I was burnt out. Um, I, I, I had... I was kind of a recluse at that time and uh, feeling a lot of burnout. And I was at a place where I knew that the collector wanted to keep buying the things that I was doing the way that I was doing them, and I couldn't stand doing those things anymore. But I couldn't explain what the paintings I want to be doing would even look like. I, I don't know. It just uh, For me, it, it involved a big brush and a lot of paint. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of a scary place to be. But at the same time, I was burnt out. So I moved to Chicago, and I started doing some uh, light developing uh, real estate development in Chicago. Um, Total 180 from what you were doing then. I don't know if it's a 180, but yeah, it's very different, but yeah. still a great creative outlet. Sure. And so I did that um, until... The collector that was buying from me got a hold of me. He had since moved to Las Vegas. And he said, David, come out to Las Vegas and do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Gosh. So Gosh, yeah, I was ready for another change. Yeah. And so I ended up moving out to Vegas and, um, and uh, painting with him for, geez, I don't remember exactly how long that lasted before I realized that. It's just this. It really isn't for me. 
So there was a series of other events going on in my life at the time where um, I ended up coming back to Wausau um, to visit one of my brothers. My oldest brother was kind of my rock in life um, for many years. And um, I came back to kind of get grounded and figure out really who I was and what the hell was going on in my art art brain. And, um, you know, I uh, crazy Uncle David returned to Wausau, and I spent about six months here um, helping my nephew renovate a house because I knew how to do that. And um, feeling sane again. Um, but in the meantime, what happened was I met my wife, Becky. Mm-hmm. So it was about eight months later. I, I moved. I went back out to Las Vegas, but then I ended up eight months later um, moving back here. And we've been together ever since. And you've done some incredible things in Wausau with the museum. We'll get into that story in just a minute, but we do need to take a break. This is Route 51. You're listening to David Hummer, our guest. We're discussing his work, and we'll be discussing the Wausau Museum of Contemporary Art, its appeal to artists around the world who come to Wausau to share their work and their vision. More in just a few moments. I'm Shireen Seward. This is Route 51 on Wisconsin Public Radio. back on Route 51. I'm Shireen Seward. David Hummer is our guest today. He is executive director of the Wausau Museum of Contemporary Art, owner of D'Anthony Gallery in downtown Wausau. David, people who are creative, good at what they do, but not necessarily good at being a business person. It doesn't always translate to business skills. So how, how did you manage to come up with this fantastic idea for the Wausau Museum of Contemporary Art, an enormous undertaking, and and make it work? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know how my mind works, um, and that's been a blessing and a curse <laughs> throughout my life. Um, just ask anyone who knows me really well. I don't know. I'm, I'm a big thinker. Um, I, I never look at something um, with the idea that I can't do it. You know, yeah, the museum was a huge undertaking, but it really, it came from the heart, from teaching, which, you know, I couldn't really believe that in a small town like Wausau, so many people wanted to know what good painting was. You know, the Bauhaus had just exploded at that time. And I kept thinking about better ways to to teach and um, expose my students to what good painting is. And you don't have to take my word for it. You know, look at this guy. Look at this woman who's on the, you know, on the West Coast. Um, and the whole idea about an art gallery came to mind. But, you know, when I first moved to town, I did a little, you know, tap my toes in the water to see if I thought um, a retail art gallery would be a good idea or not. And... Um, held what was called the Midwest Biennial, 
which was a seven-state regional exhibition. And it went really well, but I still didn't feel like um, a retail gallery was qu quite the right thing. Quite the right way to do it. So, you know, um, I didn't want to have to rely on the sale of artwork in order for my students to benefit from all of the art that's going on out there in the world. Bing, 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 you know, museum, it's for exhibition purposes and education. So, um, and I'm a big believer in when you start thinking and talking about these ideas that you have out loud and you're putting them into the universe, um, everything that you do every day starts becoming slowly geared toward getting to that destination. And, um, you know, I think all the stars just kind of aligned at the time. The executive director of um, economic development that was in office at the time was doing a push for uh, utilizing buildings that are vacant within the city. Uh, somehow, I think, uh, somehow it, it came to their attention that I was looking for a building. Uh, had looked at several and uh, originally had turned the Wausau Club down as a prospect. Um, so you initially turned down the Wausau Club? Yeah. Why? Um, because I wasn't quite sure, and I'm still not quite sure, like in, in the, what the future holds for, you know, where the museum might. I'm, always, I'm already and always looking ahead, you know, that 10 years from now I would love to see um, a freestanding building, brand new, on the riverfront as the Wausau Museum of Contemporary Art. A contemporary building, maybe. Yeah, mm -hmm. much more contemporary. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, yeah, so it was kind of that. But it does have a, that museum look to it. You know, from the exterior, boy, that's if that's it not a does. museum, I don't know what, what, yeah. what it is. So With those columns. It and lends that, itself yeah. to that, yeah. So, but what, what the kicker for me was, you know, it only had about eight foot ceilings. And here it's because over the course of, you know, decades of remodeling, instead of ripping out old stuff and keeping the ceilings the same height, contractors would come in and just put in new mechanical work and drop the ceiling and then put in new mechanical work and drop the ceiling. Oh. So when we started punching, going up, you know, punching holes in the ceilings, um, I was able to get it up to 12 feet before you hit floor joists for the second floor. And at that point, I thought, okay, that's doable. 12 feet, that's high enough. Because um, you need that space. For yeah, the you need the space. Um, because um, not that all artists like to work big, but I know I do. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. it's, um, it's become a very grand space and very uh, very loved by artists from around the world. Um, when they stop in and take a look, they're like, oh, my God, this is gorgeous. I love the fact that my work is here. So It is gorgeous. Yeah. And this opened, was it 2017? Yeah, um, October of 17. Okay. Yeah. What did you, what was the process like for you when you were thinking about how to fill those walls? And who you were going to be featuring, and how you were going to get the, you know, yeah. I, that has to, the uh, the whole, you know, renovation of the Wausau Club aside. Yeah. Once you get it ready, right? How do you fill the walls? Yeah. I, like, and, I don't know and, anything about it. So right, I, and that's uh, that's yeah, it was crazy. Um, I had five and a half months, kind of a self-imposed deadline. But from the from the day that the museum was deeded to my uh, LLC. 
um, I had five and a half months to gut it, rebuild it, and launch a show. Um, That's not much time. No, because it's uh, you know the first floor was eight thousand is eight thousand square feet, mm-hmm. and so. Um, uh, the reason I had five and a half months is a friend of mine uh, from New York who is now, I believe, in the top 16 most influential painters of our lifetime. Um, I, uh, I had asked her if she would come to Wausau and help me launch the opening. And she said, I would love to. She didn't even hesitate. Um, and and who, what's her name? Alyssa Monks. Yeah. And, you know, she's... Jo- Going back to our previous conversation about uh, teaching, that's the, she is who I was with in Brooklyn painting af- after my longest-term student asked me if I would ever teach, and I said, absolutely not. Got back from New York. Alyssa had really changed um, a lot about why I do what I do. Um, what is it about her it, work or her attitude or her style that you find so transformative? Well, because she is incredibly transparent. You know, she's about as real as you can get. And she has no, there are no walls up. She'll share anything and everything uh, about herself with you. Um, And very, you know, very approachable for a person in her position. And uh, yeah, over the years we became friends, and she said yes to the museum. But she she's in very high demand. She had two weeks at the beginning of October in 2017, or she wouldn't be able to do it for two years. Okay, know? so there there's your deadline. There was the you got to have it done by then, yeah. otherwise Alyssa can't. That be was here. the deadline, and you know I guess I could have said, well, I don't know if I can do it. That you know we'll figure something else out. But I just felt that was. It was important to have her on board, and I was right uh, because the museum um, made quite a splash in the art world with her on board. And so we had articles written uh, in magazines published in New York and um, Australia and all over the place saying, holy cow, you know, what is going on? And um, so, yeah, in in that process of the renovations – I was not only swinging a sledgehammer and, you know, um, acting like a contractor. I also, thank God for iPhones, I was scheduling uh, the first Angie, which is an acronym for the annual National Juried Exhibition, which is incidentally, uh, coincidentally, on exhibit right now at the museum. So it was, a, it was our, going to be our first uh, show when we opened that Alyssa would actually come into town and judge that show. Um, and so, um, yeah. So tell me about that show and uh, how, how did you get people to yeah. buy into it? It's, um, it's, inter- the art world is such as it's, it's huge, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of like Milwaukee. It's the big city uh, sure. with a small town flavor, you know? Um, so once, um, the press hit that Alyssa was involved and we're opening this new museum whose uh, main focus is contemporary figurative realism. Um, and 
I launched the website with the help of Kinsey Green at the time, and um, we put a call out for artists um, over the internet and advertised in a few different really big um, websites where artists who, you know, do their own self-promotion, they, they, they frequent those websites mm-hmm. um, looking for calls to enter, shows to enter. Um, so this is a, it's a juried exhibition. So you, you enter your work, you pay the fee, entry fee, and then you wait to hear whether or not you're in the show or not. Um, so, so how do they do it? They just uh, send in a, like a JPEG of yeah, their, exactly. of their work. Yeah. Artists are allowed to su- submit for up to four JPEGs. And, um, and then does it all have to be oil or are there no, different mediums? The, the beauty of the Angie is it's the one show out of the year where we break away from our focus of figurative realism and we want to see everything. We're a museum of contemporary art, mm-hmm. you know, bottom line. So, um, I want to be able to expose my community to everything that's going out there, whether it's conceptual art, um, performance art, abstract expressionism, mixed media, you name it, sculpture, painting, watercolor, photography, um, you know, diorama type work. I want to see it all. And um, it's a, it's a, it makes it a very difficult show to jury. Um, but if anybody goes to visit that show uh, right now, that's uh, it's running, it, you'll see just how dynamic something like that can be. How long does the show run? Uh, through the end of December. Okay. So it's on now at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Wausau. I, I'm, I'm curious about artists' reactions to submitting their work to something and then they're, they're going, wait, it's in Wausau? It's where? Does yeah. that matter? No, I, it doesn't matter to really? them. Um, we've, we've built an international reputation for world-class exhibitions. Um, I mean, really right from the get-go. It didn't take long to do that. And um, because I've, I've pulled in so many world-class artists and um, jurors and um, visiting artists for uh, teaching workshops and things that um, were pretty well known in the art world. And so it's a nice little feather in your cap to be accepted into one of these shows or curated into one of these shows. Um, and even possibly in a juried show to win even just an honorable mention um, is is quite something. Well, you have the reputation now. In the beginning, was it harder, or did your relationship with these artists and Alyssa really kind of open the door? Um, I think, well, you know, it really helped that Alyssa was on board. That really opened the biggest door. And then the next, the, all the rest of the stuff after that was up to me. Um, and... And not saying no to anything, um, which is a <laughs> it can get you into trouble because you know you're I'm only one person and I tend to spread myself pretty thin, um, and um, you know and something's got to give at that point. But um, by saying yes to um, a lot of different things that came into the museum as a result of you know launching it, being open, um, really helped, like getting John, John Dalton um, and uh, Walt Morton from, John Dalton is from uh, Ireland, 
and he's got a podcast called Gently Does It. Um, very respected in the art world. A um, lot of professional painters like to listen to his interviews um, while they're in their studio working. And um, so you can, I can listen to, um, you know, somebody that I admire that maybe is painting and living in France talk with John about their studio practices and where they came from, where they think they're going and things like that. Um, so, you know, I think people like John and Margaret Bolin from the New York Academy of Art and David Chevlino from the East Coast, Jacob Dine from Spain, um, and the, the incredible caliber, um, high caliber of artists that have either been curated or juried into the shows that we've done over the last seven years um, has really kind of really broken the ice about us being there, you know, it's, it's our existence in Wausau is known around the world, what we're doing right here in Wausau. Um, That's, that's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. So they know, they know about, about this effort. Yeah. It's really cool. I get a kick out of that. (laughs) (laughs) You should. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? What's the reaction from people in the community? Um, there's a um, there's a, a small but powerful uh, um, what would you call it um, fan base of the museum that uh, you know makes certain that they see every one of the exhibitions, and I'm constantly getting kudos from people about you know what it is we're doing there, and um, that's always really nice. Um, unfortunately, the, I would say the majority, the, I mean, a huge percentage of Wassonians don't even know we exist, um, which is a little disheartening, but I really don't know how to reach those people. Um, the people who are seeking it out have no problem finding us because we've been around for seven years, <laughs> right. you know, and we've had international press. I really don't know how to reach the people in my community if you don't already know that something's being done with the old Wausau Club. <laughs> you know, every once in a while I get tagged in a post on social yeah. media, you know. I'll see you on next uh, yeah, Does Let's anybody know if yet. something's ever going to be done with the old Wausau Club? And I get tagged in it. And, it's, <laughs> and then the, the response usually is, oh, well, good. I'm glad something's being done with it. Like we could be a hot dog standing and they'd be equally as happy, right, you right. know. Um, so... Okay, but the, you know the bottom line really is the museum is doing its job. Um, of course, I would like everybody in my community to understand what we're providing here, what the opportunities are. But at the same time, the museum is doing a a, a, a much better job at attracting people from out of city, out of state, out of country. Eighty five percent of our visitation is made up of of that demographic, um, people who spend, uh, according to the NEA and different um, studies, they uh, art goers, people who visit museums um, whenever they take trips or within their own community, spend sixty percent more money than a non-museum goer. Really? Yeah. So this has real significant appeal. Yeah, the, the economic impact of the museum, even if in its infancy right now, has been huge. Whether Mom and pop shops or big corporations fully understand that um, what it's been doing for them. 
Um, I know that it's being used by corporations um, within central Wisconsin to attract a young professional demographic that would like to start their family here, you know, um, buy a house and and uh, establish their careers. So um, that's great. I'm, I'm glad. So... David Hummer is our guest today on WPR. We're discussing Wausau's emergence as an international artist destination through exhibitions, workshops, and competitions that draw talent from around the world. I'm Shereen Seward. This is Route 51 on Wisconsin Public Radio. Back on Route 51, I'm Shereen Seward. David Hummer stays with us discussing the Wausau Museum of Contemporary Art and its programs that connect internationally recognized artists with central Wisconsin residents. I'm curious how you make this work from a financial standpoint. How How's it funded? I'm a wizard. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. No, actually, uh, it's a good question because I think that's on the minds of a lot of people. Like, how in the heck do you keep this thing going. Yeah, it's got to um, be expensive. Yeah, there's a lot of expenses. It's There's a lot of expenses that shouldn't even be there, but there are, they are. Sure. Um, but there's a lot of expenses, and uh, we've been able to do it through donations, um, small grants, uh, which, you know, there really isn't any th- such thing now that I say that. I take that back. There's no such thing as a small grant. Yeah. Um, they're huge, um, and they always seem to happen and be granted at the time that we need them most. I honestly, in looking back, don't know how in the hell we've got this far, especially through COVID. Well, sure, that had to be just devastating. Yeah, it was devastating. And, um, you know, you do what you have to do. So my uh, supporters have been very generous. And, you know, it seems like whenever there is a, you know, a big need, um, it's covered. And I, it's kind of funny because it's kind of the way I've led my life. I, I always look at things like I just, I, I just open my arms and I fall backward. And I believe that if you're doing the right things, you'll be caught. You won't be allowed to fall. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way the museum has survived. Um, but part of my business plan when I approached the city with um, the plan about converting the old Wausau Club into a museum was that Phase two of the renovations would have to take place sooner than later, which would be to renovate the second floor as an event space that people can rent for their corporate parties, um, wedding receptions, whatever you have in mind. Much like the Wausau Club did back in its heyday. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yes. Exactly. And so – and that revenue um, would literally – support the museum. So, and that's where we are right now. It's taken longer only because of COVID. Um, that was the next step. And so we're, the, it's, it's been kind of a nail biter, you know, writing for grants and seeing who would, which one of the foundations would step up. And we have gotten some great um, grants from different foundations. Um, we're still looking. Uh, we still need the support but, um, the, you know, again, the second floor is 8,000 square feet, and it consists of a 24-foot-long bar, um, a bar area, a lounge area, a dance floor, and a stage. 
um, a pre-function room, a catering room, brand new bathrooms, the HVAC, the electrical, everything has to be redone. So the bones of the place, I mean, it was it was gorgeous back then, but that was years ago. Yeah. So yeah. extensive work need, oh, yeah. needs to be yeah. done. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's going to be a lot of work. Um, not that it can't be done. It will be done. Um, and, you know, I, I can't wait until the day um, that we can do our press release that, hey, guess what? Uh, the Wausau Club is reopening. Oh, yeah. Um, of course, that would just – the Wausau Club is the, what we call the second floor event space. Um, and it once again will be the place to have your party or wedding reception. As a matter of fact, I, my vision is to make it better than it ever was in the past. Um, and, um, you know, it actually opens the doors for a lot of other programming for the museum too that we can block time out to do – um, uh, you know, uh, concert series, um, workshops, whatever it is. Um, we've got a stage. Uh, sure. And so, you have a stage, you have a bar, you have a yeah. place to serve food, you yeah. have... Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's going to be really interesting to see where that takes us. But, you know, the, the, the bottom line of that is that will be the financial security of the museum where that revenue makes the Wausau Museum of Contemporary Art self-sustaining. And I think that's what all foundations want to see and hope for, for any nonprofit, is to become self-sustaining. Um, so that's where we're headed, and we need your help. We need everyone's help in this. And um, we'll be doing a press release shortly talking about um, the before and after party um, that we'll be throwing uh, for people who would like to um, financially support this undertaking um, of renovations. And um, and you, you think know, that'll be coming soon? That'll be coming soon, yeah, right. sooner than later. And let people know what your website is, too, so they can follow you. Yeah, it's, it's really easy. It's the acronym uh, WMOCA.org. Okay, we'll put that on our website as well. Uh, so listeners can easily access it for information about what's coming. Yeah, and the really neat thing is, you know, I went to college with an architect in Milwaukee who's the senior uh, architect for Plunkett Rasich. Um, and Plunkett Rasich does quite a bit of work here in Wausau. So he was able to uh, put together a uh, three-dimensional um, walkthrough video of what the Wausau Club will look like. So if anybody wants to visit our website and go to the navigation tab where it says Wausau Club and read what I had to write about it and scroll all the way down, there's a video that will take you um, through, through the space as though it's finished. And Very cool. So Very cool. I want to talk a little bit too about the education component. You were talking about when you open the Wausau Club upstairs, you'll be able to have event space. I would imagine that you might be able to have large master classes or, or things like that. But you also have the gallery downtown. Tell us right. about that a little bit. Right. You know, exactly. And that's that's some of what we I can see us using it for. Um, you know, the north wing of the museum on the second floor would become uh, an artisan residence suite. Um, and it also could be a place where if you're having your wedding reception at the Wausau Club and you'd like that to be your honeymoon suite, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. um, that's, 
Um, but, you know, getting that artist in residence, you know, where we can actually have somebody from, you know, halfway around the world come in and, and stay with our community for a month and hold workshops and things like that, much like I do at D'Anthony Gallery, where I bring in artists from around the world to teach their process and their mindset. Um, so my students um, uh, cannot just hear it from me. They can hear it from someone else in a different way. And my hope is that in hearing it from all of these different artists from around the world, that there's an aha moment for, for you, you know, and something clicks and takes you to the next level, whether it's for me or whoever I'm bringing in. And we've had some great artists uh, coming in to Wausau as a result. They, tell, they tell love the that. place. Yeah, they, tell, who, who has been here and, and what have they shared? Yes, well, look, you know, the first one was Alyssa Monks, and she, she um, taught at the museum. And, um, and we've had people like Margaret Bolin, who's a tenured painting professor from the New York Academy of Art, um, and also internationally, internationally collected. Um, she's been here, and she actually juried a show for the museum at the same time. Um, David Chivlino, Jacob Dine, Carmelo Blandino, um, uh, I'm missing people, Jennifer Balkan from Austin, Texas, uh, Jacob Dines from Spain. Carmelo is from originally from Sicily. He's living in Naples, Florida now. But I bring these. I bring in. I handpick artists. <clears throat> excuse me. I handpick artists to uh, come here who I know there's a fighting chance of benefiting the students that I've been cultivating and what I think they might need to hear from said artist. So it's very personal. Yeah. Very personalized. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it's and it has. It's proven to be quite successful and has helped a lot of my students, you know, um, cross yet another bridge in their um, path to enlightenment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you hear from your students? What 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 do they share with you about how they feel about this experience and these opportunities? I wish one of them was here because I don't like talking about myself. Come now. That's just, it's just you and me talking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's, I hear it all the time. David, you've changed my life. Um, and thank you so much for doing what you're doing. Um, I, I wouldn't be doing it if I, if I really, truly didn't love it. Um, so... The There's an artist here in Wausau, Carla Peterson, yeah. uh, who's a mutual friend of ours. And, and she shared something on her Facebook page not long ago about how appreciative she is to get this world-class education yeah. in art right here in right Wausau. Right here in Wausau. Right here in Wausau. Yeah. And I'm, I'm certain at a fraction of the cost yeah. of what it would be if oh, yeah. you were somewhere like New York or Milan oh, yeah. or wherever you might go. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's really nice to, to have that here because – Really, you would have to go to Austin, Texas, um, or um, New York, or Spain, or Italy 
to get this type of an education. Um, there are certain ateliers th- uh, around the world that you know host these t- this type of programming, um, but it would cost you an arm and a leg. And so if you're in the area, we've had students actually that come in from Minneapolis and Chicago and Green Bay and people that come in because, you know, they're kind of like wiping their eyes, you know, looking at the website. <laughs> Holy cow, Margaret Bolin is going to come to Wausau? I know somebody from Wausau. I can crash on their couch, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a really neat opportunity. And, you know, um, <clears throat> there are limited class sizes. You know, we, I like to keep them small, like on the, you know, 10 student level. Um, it makes it better for the instructor um, and it makes it better for the students because that instructor can spend much more time with everybody. Um, and, um, uh, yeah. So right now they come for a, a day or two, a couple of days, spend yeah, some time. It's typically a three- or four-day workshop. Okay. But and your vision is to have this artist-in-residence where they're spending a month here. Yeah, that's what I'd like to do at the museum. You know, mm-hmm. when we'll have the wherewithal, we'll have the uh, – financial ability to pull it off. We'll have the the suite where they can stay and all-inclusive type deal. Um, and we can actually um, create more programming for that artist while they're here, where maybe WPR would like to interview them. Mm-hmm. Um, or they would like to lecture at um, the university or uh, here or at Stevens Point um, to take really full advantage of you know, an international artist being here in Wausau and what they have to offer. The students who come through your doors at D'Anthony, you said some of them say to you, I can't draw a stick figure. I haven't done anything. Um, And yet they they have this desire to learn. How do you, how do you let them, how do you get them to let go of their fear of failure? Yeah, that's huge. Anybody who tries anything new is... You know, I think... uh, how do you let a professional artist know that they can let go of their fear of failure? Okay. Um, we all carry that and we all deal with those things in our own way or hopefully find ways to deal with, with fear not getting in your way. I, I forget who the artist was that said, you know, when you go into your studio, um, you bring with you all of the baggage of the day and your life and people and, um, uh, uh, you know, criticisms, self-criticism, outside criticism. You, you bring all that stuff into the studio. And then as you start working, one by one, those things start to leave your studio. And if you're lucky enough, you will too. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to let everything go, not just the fear. Um, because, come on, I always tell people in my studio, you're, believe it or not, this painting you create for the first time in your life is not going to be hanging at the Louvre. Oh, come now. No matter how good <laughs> it turns out. So um, let's laugh at ourselves. And, you know, I mean, if you can't laugh at yourself, then um, really art's not for you. <laughs> um, it's because you need to. You need to actually – it's not what the finished product looks like. It's everything that you learn in the process of creating that product. That's important that you can take into the next canvas and into the next canvas. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight for any painter. I don't care if you're, oh, you're so talented <laughs> or right. not. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, and, you know, 
it's it's a lifelong process. It's a lifelong um, pursuit of de- developing and seeing and understanding. And so, uh, but you have to start somewhere. And you know, I welcome anybody. What does it feel like for you when you've you've been teaching somebody? And all of a sudden that light goes on and they're getting it. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. I have a student right now that uh, she's been with me since uh, January of last year. And um, she's retired. And uh, I've watched her work so hard. Um, And, you know, she doesn't have a painting background. And we had met at the Y – I was uh, doing an acrylic painting workshop for um, the um, the landing at the Y, and you know we started talking outside the class, and I said, you know, if you if you really want to learn how to paint, you know, a two hour class isn't going to do it. It's that's barely you're not even scratching the surface. That's so come to the Bauhaus. You know, come to D. Anthony Gallery, and and I can teach you. So she was very excited about that, and she's. It's not been easy, um, but she's stuck with it, and she's producing work. Like I just looked at her, her recent painting this morning, and um, with <clears throat> almost no instruction whatsoever, she's created a piece that literally is gallery worthy at this point. In just where are we? What month is it? Is it we're in November? Yes. Okay. So, um, so within you know uh, ten months, she has gone from not even understanding how to hold a brush properly to creating work where she f- she really understands color and how to handle paint and how to she can hold a brush now. I mean, <laughs> she is. I am. And I'm just tickled. <clears throat> and I've heard it from her many times how it's literally changed her life. David, I want to thank you for being here, and um, you'll let us know as things progress with the Lassau Club. Sure. Thank you. You're listening to Route 51. I'm Shireen Seward, extending one more time a sincere thanks to our guest, David Hummer. Our producers are Joy Ratch Kramer and Ezra Wall. Our executive producer is Ezra Wall, who is also our on-air producer today. Thanks to John Altenberg for the Route 51 theme. You can hear the archive of today's program, as well as our previous programs, at wpr.org slash route 51 and on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Wisconsin Public Radio.